Well, good morning. Well, before we get started today, just wanted to talk about a couple things. One is, uh, if you've been here for a little while, you know that we have some property over 35th and Oak that we've been trying to sell for years. And um, we, we were dealing with some people that put another uh, bid on it, or what's that called, another offer, offer. And, um, and so it was right around the beginning of December, and we were talking about it, and, then, um, and we, we actually accepted an offer, and then Aaron went and had a brain aneurysm, and so different things became more important at that particular time. And so and then Christmas hit, we haven't really talked about it, and so we were away this week and started thinking about stuff, and we're like, we haven't told them yet. Um, and so I'm telling you, about a month, almost a month ago, we accepted an offer on 35th and Oak, and it's been about almost a month, not quite a month, but part of me didn't want to tell you just because it's like, you know what, this thing's been in escrow for like a year and a half, and it's just depressing, and it's like, let's, let's just tell them when it's sold, so they have, to, but at the same time, we want you to keep praying about it and thinking about it. So it's supposed to close February 22nd, so if, it, if everything goes as planned, that's what it'll be. If not, we'll be back to where we've been for four years. But just so you know um, and, and have the information, so that's a good thing. Um, the other thing is this, is as you've noticed, Aaron's been around, and so we thought we would invite Aaron this morning and let him share just a little bit about what's going on with him. We would have just a little bit, though. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, boy, on December 1st, actually, uh, right after leaving a foundational leaders meeting here, I had a ruptured brain aneurysm, got misdiagnosed with a uh, migraine, and so tried to endure through most of the week when other things started uh, happening strange, went over to the uh, another doctor's appointment in Eugene, they quickly sent me to the ER, took them another uh, 36 hours or so to, to find out exactly what was happening. Uh, so I had gone six days uh, without being treated for this ruptured aneurysm. And, uh, and really everything that could have and many things that should have gone wrong during that time did not. Uh, they were able to go in and it's called coil the aneurysm, put uh, platinum coiling inside of that. And so since then everything that could go right has gone right and so I'm feeling good and uh, was thankful to, yes. And that's all to God, knowing that your prayers, uh, along with countless others across the country, uh, and that God was at work through every step of it. And so that applause is all for him. And uh, so, uh, but your support and the letters that you've written, the prayers that you've sent up, and the way that you've asked uh, how I'm doing uh, are very much appreciated by my entire family. So thank you so much. Uh, that uh, It's good to know I'm loved, and I uh, love you guys as well. So... Good to be around. I was able to go with the elders last week uh, to planning uh, time, and so looking forward to this new year and all that God has for us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, we were. Uh... <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I was out in the front at the end of first service, and the guy walked out. And he goes, "You know how I know God's real?" I'm like, "How?" He goes, "I just look at Aaron." That's very cool. <laughs> People been saying that for years. <laughs> no, not so much. But the, yeah. Um, just, I said this last week to you guys at this service, uh, uh, basically Aaron's back, but leave him alone. Um, he's going to, as the doctors have talked to him, um, he's going to go at a slow pace coming back, and so 
You'll see him back up here in February, but at the same time, he'll be around when he's around uh, as he just continually just tries to heal. And um, he looks, well, why? He looks normal. He talks normal. He can speak into a mic. Why can't he preach? Um, But at the same time, he gets incredibly tired and fast. And so just bear with him as he slowly comes back. But the good thing is he's standing here before us and he's, yes, so thank God. Somebody asked me for first service, are you tired of uh, people asking you how you're doing? I said, no, I'm not because I know you all care. So thanks so much. Appreciate it. We uh, been talking a lot about the church the last few weeks and um, just talking about getting in, uh, getting into a community group and things of that nature. Uh, we are going to start next Sunday, uh, starting in the book of Genesis, in the beginning of it. And so we're going to go through the book. So that'll be starting off next week. But we want to spend one more week uh, talking about the church, talking about just how we see the church. And so, I don't know, last week, if you were here, I talked about how I've become restless over the years with the church, just as we know the church. Um, that it's kind of been relegated to Sunday morning. Uh, to a great sermon, hearing a, a good speaker, hearing a great worship and, and programs. And we've kind of regulated church when we say church to mean kind of that's the definition for a lot of people. But it, it's one day a week. And so it's when you step back and for me and my restlessness is like, have we relegated Christianity to one day a week? And so I've been wrestling through that and thinking through that for a lot, for a lot of years. And in the last three or four, two years actually, maybe three, the elders have been talking a little bit about it and gotten more serious about it. And it's like, what is it? Because as we read scripture and you go back to scripture and you look at Acts, when the church started off back in Acts, uh, and you read 242, uh, starting there, what the church was doing in the early days. And it said that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the breaking of bread, um, and they, which is communion, and they devoted themselves to prayer and to fellowship. And so when I've read that over the years as being a pastor, you look at that, it's like, well, we devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching because we teach from the Bible on Sunday mornings. We have communion every Sunday morning, unlike a lot of churches. We do it every week. So we're kind of devoted to communion and breaking of bread, and we're devoted to prayer because we pray every week, and we tell you to say hi to each other you know, after we do announcements. And so we have Greek. So there's a little bit of fellowship in there. I think we've kind of, and you go away to these conferences as pastors, as I've grown over the years of being a pastor, and they tell you how how to do Sunday mornings better, and they tell you how to preach better sermons and how to do music better, and they tell you how to have better programs. If you do these five things, you'll have more people. And, and I've come to a place where it's like, that's, I've been doing this a long time, and that's not good. Because when I read the Bible, when he talks about devotion, and they devoted themselves to these things, devotion's a lot deeper than just a little thing on Sunday morning. It wasn't one day a week, it was every day of the week. And it, you see it play out in the New Testament that they cared deeply about each other and that they were taking care of each other and they actually knew each other's names. And, and at the end of the day, I'm like, how do we get there? How do we get the church? Because we've made it this thing that's one day a week. And so the restlessness has kind of grown in me and, and, and the elders, we, we're, we've talked through it and processed through it and looked at different things and looked at the scripture. But the guy named Francis Chan, who was a pastor in Simi Valley, he started, he started a church there and the church grew to 5,000. I was in LA when his church was going well and he's a very popular guy down there. And, and 
But he became, like I'm talking about, he was becoming restless also with the church and going, it has to be more than just this. And they were like us. They were in building programs and they were looking to buy property and spend millions of dollars to try to build bigger things and better things. And at one point for him and his church, he says, well, why don't we just do an outdoor amphitheater? It was like, well, it rains. It was like, you're in Southern California, it rains one day a year. Why don't we just, instead of spending a bunch of money, let's be outside. And he became restless going, we're spending all this money and doing all this stuff for one day a week. And that's kind of where, where we've been a little bit. And so he, we've been studying and thinking, reading through the scripture. And, and just recently, the last year, last couple of months, Rancis wrote a book, kind of put all these thoughts into a book because he actually left that church and See me valid. I mean, they're a great relationship, but he just said, I think I need to do something a little bit differently. And he did a few things. And then in San Francisco, he start, just kind of started doing, looking at the scriptures, what the scriptures have to say for, what, for a group of people he was with. And they kind of started this church thing and how they see it written out in scripture. And so we've, we looked through the book and we look at this book going, you know, it's, it's a good, it's good. We're not here trying to say, hey, we want to be Francis Chan or do what Francis Chan necessarily did. We just want to give you a case study to go, hey, this is what one church did, one people did when they looked at the scripture because we just went through the one another's. We spent a bunch of weeks on the one another's, but at the same time, we know the Bible says that, but how do we get each other to one another better? Because uh, the Bible, if you read the Bible, it's really not about this. It's about us living life and taking care of each other. And so, I got a whole, we've been looking, the elders been going through it, this stuff, and then with foundational leaders, we've been talking about it. And I got this video about in August, a friend of mine sent it to me, and it was actually Francis Chan, just a documentary on how they've, what they've started off and what they did. And looking at church, because so much of church is about consumer, like, hey, if you have a good band, you have a good speaker, you have all these good things, people will come. And, but what you see is people leaving each other and not being a part of each other. And if I don't like what they do there, I'll go over there and I'll go there. And, and the Bible is like, well, they were committed to each other. They cared deeply about each other. They wouldn't leave each other. And so I've had these feelings for a long time in myself, but not sure what we should possibly do. What could we do? And the elder, we've been talking through it. And I watched this video and I was sitting on the couch in my house and I told my wife, hey, Dad, watch, let's watch this together. And as the video opens, the guy, Francis, is talking, but he says, one of my elders said that pastors should be sued for malpractice. And I, I, I could, the rest of the video, I'm just kind of weeping. I'm like, tears are rolling down my face. My wife is watching the video, but she's like looking at me. And she's like, it's, I'm not audibly crying because I don't want to be a sissy baby, but at the same time, I know in my heart of hearts that this is, something it has to look something like something like this uh, he's going to talk about how church house churches don't be afraid of house churches i mean it's gonna we'll get there i mean that we want to do what we could do here we want to look at the scripture and see what god has for us and so this morning we're going to spend a little bit of time watching a video um, of what they've done because we really really truly want to look want to get all of us involved in looking at what the scripture has to say about what the church should be and so watch this video most people know that in America, Christianity has become this consumer thing. 
you know, you sit down, you find people that you know, and you go and sit there, you know, in rows, and it's dark, and when you worship, it's just you and God. I was used to going to church on Sunday, sit in the back, and not really be a part of the body, and you walk out, and then that's it, that's your Sunday. Uh, we've just kind of assumed if somebody's following bulletins and somebody's a greeter and somebody's stacking chairs that everybody's using their gift. Just even the concept of church that we have, I've always wanted more than that and felt like it should be more than that. We're struggling in different ways, marriage, um, feeling a little bit isolated. It wasn't flourishing, I, I would say. We weren't flourishing. If they're not finding that in the church, we have to go back to the scriptures and go, why not? What are we doing wrong? So many people are going in and out of churches and nobody in their church knows what's happening. One of our elders calls it like pastoral malpractice. Like you're actually ruining people by making them consumers because you're supposed to be turning them into servants. We don't come to be served, we serve and give our lives as a ransom for many. It's at the core of what we understand it means to follow Jesus Christ. And we've twisted it, and it's evil. It's really all these things that caused me to just start with a blank piece of paper and just start writing on that paper with scripture and saying, what's most repeated? Uh, what's most emphasized? What does God love most? What does he hate most? What does he command? demand of the church and let's pursue those things it's not about having a killer sermon with a great worship set it's about us loving each other well loving Jesus well praying together well uh, studying the scriptures together well and then it's almost like our gatherings are excellent not because there was a ton of prep work done into it but because people are spending time with Jesus people are being led by the Spirit People are loving each other deeply. That's what's going to make our gatherings great. And so it's kind of how we arrived at the new start, I guess. There are mornings where I'm like, oh, I just want to snooze one more time. But you'll like hear the text and you're like, all right, got to get up. start texting each other when we wake up and just encouraging each other with you know whatever the Lord's put on our hearts or what we read and I just am so thankful for the Lord giving me this like hello Liz if you want to be close to me you got to spend time with me and since I've been starting to do that it has changed my walk with the Lord my walk with God is so personal and I love I love my time with him like this is success to us when our people love, really love Jesus. Like they don't need all of the bells and whistles, you know, in order to sing or in order to pray or in order to get in the word. We want them to be devoted worshipers of God. So this is where we meet for our house church. Um, and just here in our living room. So we have a few couches, but we have to set up plastic chairs. Uh, everybody's bringing some. Everybody's spending time with Jesus throughout the week. Everybody's um, exercising their gifts. And I encourage people as, 
God highlights a scripture or if a song comes to mind to sing it out or if God's prompting them with a word on their heart to share it and so it's just beautiful to see every everyone everybody in this room would be feeling the weight of like I have something to contribute we wanted these loving families like are we looking around and seeing like these groups of people that really adore one another I mean love to the point that Jesus wanted where the world would look on and go I've never seen love like this I remember getting to Francis and Lisa's house in the evening and I was just thinking in my head like what in the world am I doing like I don't even know these people I was thinking honestly at the time like oh great like I'm moving in with this pastor guy and his family I have like this completely different background <laughs> Like coming out of a life of crime and drug addiction and I'm thinking like are they gonna be too straight edge for me like are we gonna have to do this like Bible study thing like every day is like am I not gonna be able to be myself and uh, it was it wasn't even like that at all and it was crazy just to see a godly family get to see the good the bad and the ugly when you're living with somebody they didn't have to change anything they didn't hide anything it was just living with them they just accepted me in like like a family member and just actually seeing Lisa be a godly wife and to be a godly mother I don't even think she understands how much like she poured into my life just by demonstration you're not meant to walk out your Christianity alone. Like, God never designed it for you to do it by yourself. Like, you're supposed to have a body of believers around you, you know? And I didn't know that until I was actually able to um, experience it. church in my mind and the best I can understand scripture we're supposed to be a group of people that love Jesus they loved each other deeply because that was his command this is our true family now more than a family we are a body like one you are my arm and so I will protect you and any hurt to you is a hurt to me and for there to be this godly leadership that matures this body and strengthens them, disciples them, and sends them out on mission so that we get serious about getting to the rest of the world and making disciples of them. This restaurant kind of uh, holds a special place in my heart. Um, I, I worked here. This place kind of helped me get my life on track, but it was also the place where I came to know Jesus. I was baptized outside. I was always trying to find joy and putting my hope in like things of the world and drugs, trying to yeah. find pleasure and stuff like that. You know, coming here, it was like instant like brotherhood. Like this hole I was trying to fill was, could only be filled by God. 
I remember thinking, like, all I did to get here was mess up, and here these guys are pouring into me. This is amazing. I remember, like, being invited here, and then just knowing I'm in my mess, thinking I'm, like, this dirty person. And then here I am in this prayer meeting around all these, like, clean people. <laughs> yeah, I remember being really uncomfortable and then feeling like, like looking at these people and be like, man, I want more of this. So I, I kept coming back. Let's say someone comes to my gathering and they're just understanding Jesus, then I find someone that's further along and encourage them to help that newer believer. And so there's just this natural flow of these people who show up that become disciple makers, then become pastors, and then become elders. And then once we've got a few elders, it's like, okay, let's Let's even branch that off, and you three elders take those churches, you three elders take those churches, and let's just keep it going. So it was nine months in, they talked to me about, like, we continue to see the, the Holy Spirit in your life. Do you want to start mentoring? And it's like, man, I, I don't even have my own life together. How do you expect me to start leading these dudes? And so that idea, you know, like, your, your own sanctification starts to happen when you start, like, pouring into other people. And I, like, that became very real to me. It's like, you know, dude, in the book of Acts, it talks about how the disciples were, like, uneducated, common men. But the people seeing that they had the Holy Spirit, like, they walked with Jesus, right? And so I read it for myself, and I was like, this is me. Like, this is me, an uneducated, common dude. And, and... I still sit on that verse to this day. A lot of times you think it's like, oh, it's it's teaching, it's that's what like hermeneutics, it's theology, it's this and that. But uh, where you're really going to get a chance to model Christ is in the way you serve, like your brothers. To live in community together, to really demonstrate for people what it looks like to follow Jesus and how that looks in my everyday. That's where you get sanctified. That's where you're going to grow in humility. That's where you're going to grow in patience. It's like a two-way relationship and that it's not just the mentors are like these holy spiritual people, but that it can be mutual and that we're growing just as much as they are. Maybe in different ways and in different things, but we're still growing. We're still needing more of Jesus every day. I think what's helped me is to reflect on the way that I was led, what my sin was like when I first came to know the Lord, and how people kind of were patient with me, and then try to demonstrate that to others. It's just it's funny, like how like God and the universe like will use people like us and add value to our life. It's like here we are, just broken, sinful, drug addicts. You know, been to jail on this or that, outcasts, rejects, people like society doesn't accept anymore. And then Jesus says, like, no, like, you have a place in my kingdom. And not only that, but I can use you now. When we're thinking about mission and we're thinking about bringing Jesus um, and Jesus' love to people, 
It's not this sort of theoretical thing like, all right, we want to love the world, um, but there are 20 houses here. Like that will be our mission field. We're going to try to love this block as well as we can. The mandate was just really clear. This house is for the Lord, it's for community, it's for neighbors, it's for welcoming people in. We're not just a community just to be a community, but we are gathering in the name of Jesus, for the name of Jesus, to live this thing called church out daily. This is where we do have to do the house church, so people we will be sitting around here so this building and the people that are in it are pretty much um, high-tech professionals. So that's what we're trying to do, is try to um, outreach specifically to the building here. We committed to having uh, a monthly sort of neighborhood barbecue. We invited everyone from, from these 20 houses out to have lunch with us and then start building relationships where we could go back and check in with folks and, and, and knock on their doors and see if there was something that we could um, help with, something we could pray for, or other ways that we could support and love them. And so, yeah, this is not my thing. I'm not a natural hostess. I would much rather, in my flesh, just have dinners, just our immediate nuclear family. In my flesh, I would not like to clean up after people. And over the years, I think, as we've been part of We Are Church, Experiencing it and seeing it in so many of the commandments, it's not you singular. It's to rejoice always, to be generous, to not have greed, um, to love your neighbor as yourself. All those things you can only really practice in community. And so when I came to embrace that, it became this more meaningful communal walk together. To just simply in unity, walking out of our safe house, safe place, going into um, our neighborhood and uh, the intersections and the cities and the coffee shops and talking to the people that live amongst us and work in our neighborhood and, you know, pray for them and get to know them. So all of the growth in our church since we arrived here has come from people who are in our neighborhood on this block. It's been a real joy for us to, to come and encounter that and, and find people who are not just willing to join us for service, but actually be a part of our family, um, who are a part of the body of the church that we have here. And increasingly, we see it's indispensable. It's just this fellowship is going on and I'm not pushing it. And I felt like with the old model, people aren't going to reach out unless you create a program for them to do it. People aren't going to fellowship with each other unless you create some program for that. People aren't going to get together and pray unless you schedule it for them. Uh, people won't take communion unless you, you know, get all the elements and everything figured out. And now it's just this thing where people are sharing their faith every day. It's just happening. It's natural. They can't help it. Um, they don't need my permission. The Lord really just confirmed like, yes, I'm asking you to quit your job from corporate America and good money um, and just be obedient. Like Lisa once asked me like, oh, do you see yourself doing inner city ministry? And I'm like, oh, heck no. 
And here I am living in the inner city of San Francisco. We've been married for six years, have been fostering and adopting for three and a half of those years. And like, it has been so hard and then so good and then so hard and then so good. And over and over, God would check my heart. It was two weeks before our wedding, we still didn't have a place to live. We were offered free housing, and um, it was outside of the community that we were doing ministry in. And uh, I didn't want to be someone that was coming into the community and then leaving uh, back to a different part of the city. Yeah, so we said no to the free housing in one of the most <laughs> expensive cities in the country. And it was only because we knew we had to be obedient to what the Lord was calling us to. And so over and over again, God would like push me and Sean to the, to the brink and then he'd teach us and he'd mold us into his likeness. And it hurt. <laughs> it hurt so bad sometimes. But every, like even looking back now, I'm like every trial we went through, God has rooted me in the faith that he is good. I mean, people thought it was crazy that we were moving across the street from public housing. Um, but for us, it was like way better than we could have imagined. Yeah, the Lord really like completely changed what I thought my life was going to be. It's like one of those things where you can't even pray for your life to turn out this way. And God just does the writing himself. He took a beating and was put on the cross for us, even when we were sinners. So. That is what we're called to do. <laughs> it's like, some, our life, we're going to get a beating. We're going to take a beating. And just recently, God has been like, I love these kids more than you could ever love these kids. So you need to be the hands and feet. You need to show them who I am. It's like, look around our group. Are they people who sacrifice and suffer because they so believe in the hope of heaven? Do they see themselves as just travelers on this earth, or are they building a home for themselves? Are they these suffering sojourners that just can't wait for the return of Christ? You know, if I say I get up at five in the morning and spend time with the Lord, they go, oh, that's, that's great, you know, but you're Francis Chan, you know? When, when Marcus is doing it at 3.30 in the morning before he goes to work, you know, picking up needles off the street and cleaning off the grossest part of the city and speaking to homeless and caring for them. Or Rob, when you, you an ex-con tell people like, I can't stop worshiping Jesus like it, I can't get enough, that's huge. And so it's these ordinary people that are so deeply in love with Jesus that they can't help but go and talk about him when they're going door to door in their neighborhoods not prompted by anyone else just prompted by a love for their neighbors and a love of Jesus and belief in the gospel those have been the most powerful stories to me because it gets rid of all the excuses you know it's like well if that guy's doing it and he's a doctor and that guy's doing it and he's a thug What's my excuse why I'm not? If I could get all the community group leaders to, to come on up here on stage with me.
I think sometimes we forget how powerful the Scripture is and how powerful the Bible is. I don't know about you. I've been reading through it and continue to learn. And um, I think it has the power to transform people's lives. And um, so what we want to do is start with the Bible. And so we're, we've been asking you for the last few weeks if you would join us for the next nine weeks join us in a community group somewhere because we don't want this to be something that's like hey we the leaders are saying do this and do it we just want you to join us and to walk take go through the steps and look at and look at the bible and see what the bible has to say and what god wants his church to be and so we're striving for that and we're looking to that and so we've that's pretty impressive this is cool lots of people a lot of, um, we have, so we've set up a lot of different times just to try, we have community groups all week long, um, but trying to find times for you to come. You say, I, all I have is Sunday morning, I can go to one hour on Sunday morning. We want for nine weeks for you to go Sunday morning to this group. If it's only, if you only have this time. So we have a time at nine o'clock, we have a time at 1030. Um, we're trying to figure out other times. We have people with thousands of kids in their family and said, you know, we don't have a night of the week because kids go to bed at 6 and uh, Sunday after church day, we'd put them down for a nap. Or so we're like, okay, how about 4 o'clock on Sunday? We'll do a group on 4 o'clock on Sunday if you need it. I just, Elmer, we didn't have his time here, but Elmer has a group on Tuesday nights at, at 6 o'clock. Um, I don't know if you spent any time with Elmer, but he's an amazing man, but he has, I'm not, not that you all aren't all amazing, <laughs> but I didn't even talk about Elmer the first service, so I feel bad, so I'm overdoing it this service. <laughs> but we have a bunch of different times, and this is all going to start next Sunday, and so next Sunday at 9 o'clock, um, if, you, if you don't have any other time of the week to come, we'd love for you to come downstairs, there'll be a group down there. At 10.30, we'll have one also. We're also starting one on Tuesday at 10. Uh, I know some of you are going to be joining that because some of you say, you know what, I'm retired. I don't go out after 5. It's like, all right, we'll have one, at, we'll have one during the day at 10. And so whatever time it is, if, if, you don't, if none of these times work for you and what I'm talking about doesn't work for you, write the time that works for you and we'll try to figure something out because we'd love just to journey with you, spend nine weeks so that we can put our heads together and look at the Bible and, and see what it has to say. And we're using Francis Chan as a, his, his book as a case study because these guys have done it. But one of the things for me in my heart, I know the heart of the past of the elders is that, you know, he did that starting from scratch. We have an established church here and we're just trying to figure out how to be the church in an established church and trying to figure out how to love each other and care about each other in this type of format. And so what you need for the next nine weeks is a Bible. So if you want to come to a group, bring your Bible with you. Um, and that's the basic of what you need. If you want, you know, if you're like, hey, I want more than that, I would like to see what the book is saying. He does have a book that he wrote uh, recently. Um, you can buy the book and read that. He also has a study guide. And so those are options that you do have. Um, and they're useful. But we just really, the biggest thing we want you to do is just to be a part of us for the, for the next nine weeks. Um, and so just so you know, if you're a part of a community group already, we're not telling you to come on Sunday morning. We're just saying if you, it's going to start next Sunday. So if you have a Wednesday, Thursday, go to your community group then. Don't come on Sunday morning. But it just starts on the 20th. Does that all make sense? Do I got everything, guys? Yes. Well, I want to pray for us, and then we'll continue in our service. Father, thank you so much for, for your church. And I guess for myself, as I stand here, I... 
I just, um, I, I guess I'm some apologizing for not looking completely deep at what you had your early church doing. And I, and I just want to be a part of something that's doing what you want us to do. And so I pray for these groups that are going to be gathering together um, and looking at your word and just kind of looking at and possibly what the early church looked like, that, that we can start moving ourselves to, to model and to look more like what you had in store for us. Thank you for what we have, that we have time to come together. I think that we have freedom in our country to come together once a week. I just ask that we could be what you want us to be every day of the week. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys.